Today on CityCast DC, Ralph Braben is known around town for his eclectic bars and Thai street food restaurants. And this month, those bars and restaurants are duking it out in a friendly competition with others across the city to raise money for charity. We chatted with Ralph about how the War of the Roses started, which restaurants are participating, and how they can win the coveted pink trophy. It's Thursday, July 14th, 2022. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is CityCast DC. Hi, Ralph. Hi, Bridget. How are you? I am good. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to talk about the War of the Rosé. I'm actually having a little rosé in honor. Jealous. Very jealous. (laughs) So tell me about War of the Rosé, like how this competition works. Totally. We decided from the get-go that we wanted to make this a fun and easy competition for anyone who takes part in it. Really, a a restaurant signing up only needs to commit to donating 10% of their July rosé sales to charity, 5% of their rosé sales to a charity that they love. And then the other 5% goes to the charity selected by the business that sells the most rosé in the month of July. From the get-go, we encourage folks to decorate for the month in pink and roses, even though we push it as like a low-effort, no-effort competition and fundraiser. It can be a lot of fun, and that was always our intent. How did this get started? So we actually started in 2018. It was really born out of just friendly like competition idea between myself and my friend J.P. Sabatier, who's now my business partner at uh, our cocktail bar, Jane Jane, Melissa Smith, who now works for us at Bowtie as our beverage director, and my husband, Drew Porterfield. So really, the the four of us were just drinking rosé and having fun and said, let's make a competition out of it. Because I'm a very competitive person, and I will make a competition out of anything. And then as the day and the glasses of wine flowed, we decided to make it bigger than just a competition, but to make a charitable element out of it. And yeah, that's kind of how we started. Rosé is flowing. Competition is brewing. What are some of the grandest gestures you've seen places do to sort of get the word out and promote the contest? Well, in the first year, JP and Melissa at Rappahannock Oyster Bar at Union Market, they had their whole oyster bar painted pink uh, with like pink murals. And it was pretty eye grabbing. My bow tie every year, we don the bar with pink Chinese lanterns and fake flowers, and our staff really gets into it as well. I was actually at All Purpose and Shaw, a pizza place that's participating this year for the first time ever, and their whole front facade is placarded with pink flowers. And in talking to Victor at All Purpose yesterday, they obviously decorated a lot for Pride Month in June, and he said when they took all their Pride stuff down, it just felt sad. And so it's like a fun way to give some life to spaces and an otherwise kind of slow nothing month of July. So what do the restaurants get if they win? Like, what's the incentive? Well, the reigning champ is currently Le Jam, which is a French wine bar located here in Shaw. Le Jam currently holds our vintage pink trophy, which I found on Etsy a couple years ago and had a friend who's a calligrapher write on it, the War of the Rosés champion. Because it feels cruel to take that away, if the unfortunate happens for them and Le Jam does not win the war this year, <laughs> I bought a new vintage 
pink trophy on Etsy and my friend is going to calligraphy a, a new trophy. So it's always in the same aesthetic, but I, I've made the executive decision that I think that we should just let people keep their trophies. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> they will receive a really cute pink porcelain urn, for lack of a better word, bragging rights. And then we'll host a happy hour, a rosy happy hour in July at the winner's establishment. I love that. So it's not like the Stanley Cup where they physically will take the urn out. You're making new urns so people get to keep it even if they don't win. Yeah. First of all, it's free advertising for the competition every year if it just sits on the uh, shelf of a awesome restaurant here in D.C. But also it just feels cruel to take it away (laughs) after people try so hard and participate in this competition. And I also feel like the bragging rights bit of it is probably a big draw as well. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yes. Yeah. Our staff at Bowtie, we've never won. So despite how competitive I am, we've never really taken home the the title. But every year, our whole team just gets so excited about trying to win, at least. I think the bragging rights are big, and we would love to have those bragging rights at some point. (laughs) Well, that's actually a great question. It does feel like a wine bar might have a bit of a leg up in the competition versus a place where wine isn't really what you go there for. Totally. Yeah. And people do try to get creative. Our definition of rosé is just basically any rosé wine, obviously, any cocktail made with rosé. And then we're very liberal on non-alcoholic pink drink options as well, just so everyone can be included. But yeah, certainly like a wine bar versus a Thai restaurant, the playing field is not super even. In the early years of the competition, we kept the participants small with just like friends of ours who were like in the neighborhood who have restaurants and we wanted to kind of test out to see if there were any logistics that we needed to think through before making it big. This year we've opened it up a lot and have gotten like a pretty incredible roster of restaurants that are participating in the War of the Roses and we were just chatting yesterday. It's going to be very interesting to see who wins because skin contact wine can include a lot of wine. So we have some predictions that perhaps like Maidan or Supra, places that have really incredible wine lists with a lot of skin contact wines on them might win. However, that being said, at Bowtie, our froze, frozen rosé sales are through the roof right now. So we're definitely bringing our game to this competition. I love the froze at Bowtie. It is my favorite. It's so good. It is so good. And I will say, I think we have perfected the recipe over COVID. During lockdown, our primary alcohol sale was frosé. To get the right mix of a frozen drink is kind of an art form, and it can go very wrong. It can be just like a block of ice that just plops out, or too it won't freeze, or whatever. So I think we've perfected it and have made our recipe our own. Oh, I would a thousand percent agree. And I guess that's one of the questions I have for you is that I feel just in the last maybe 15, 20 years, rosé has exploded in popularity. Why do you think it's so popular right now and like so ubiquitous? That's a fascinating question that is beyond my pay grade for sure, because I'm like a rosé drinker, but not a wine connoisseur. (laughs) But uh, for lack of a better word, it's like a porch founder. It is mass appeal. It's light. It's cool. I personally am not much of a white wine drinker, but I love rosé and and red wine. And maybe that speaks to the fact that it does have appeal that bridges people who are mostly red wine drinkers or white wine drinkers. That's such an interesting perspective that like, I'm not much of a red wine drinker. I prefer white wines, but I like rosé because it does feel like it's, you know, meeting in the middle kind of. Yeah, it's a little more substantive than some white wines. Yeah. And not as heavy as a red. Exactly. Can you tell me anything about some of the charities that you all have supported in this contest? At Bowtie, we are an immigrant-owned and female-owned and gay-owned business. Supporting 
our communities has been part of our DNA from 2010 when we opened our first location. And so I think that it's part of just responsible business and responsible stewardship of, over what we've been given and worked for. So that's kind of always been an important thing for how I operate in the world of restaurants. And so for us, it's been neat to uh, see who people have selected. And we've never given rules or guidelines for what organizations people should select. But thankfully, they've all been in line with our goals of causes that are important to the DMV in particular. And speaking as Bowtie, this year's our beneficiaries are our neighbors. At Bowtie Shaw, it's bread for the city. In Bowtie Mount Pleasant, our charity is uh, La Clinica del Pueblo, which is our neighbor up there. And at BKK Cookshop, our charity is um, New Endeavors by Women, which is an amazing nonprofit based in Shaw as well. But as the net has gotten a little bit wider in terms of participants this year, this year's roster of charities is a little broader and a little less local focused, undoubtedly influenced by what's going on in the world. Like we have the National Network of Abortion Funds is being supported by Maidan. Garden District, which is a beer garden on 14th Street, is supporting the relief efforts in the Ukraine. For the most part, we our businesses have selected local charities in the past. This year, we have a couple non-local, but still very important causes. Yeah, I love how it's so neighborhoody and local, but also speaks to what's happening more broadly nationally. I just love the way that y'all are using this way of giving back via entrepreneurship. And I think it could be a really good frame for other businesses to both promote your business, but also give back and really help out. Totally. And that is literally the DNA of this, of the War of the Rosés. We really want it to be a fun, charitable competition where people can attract customers, but also like draw attention to important causes. And yeah, the the simplicity of the ideas is kind of what we are all about. Is there anything special about this year's competition in particular? So this year is the uh, first year we're beginning to realize our vision, which is to have this be a big, fun thing throughout D.C. And so just geographically alone, our presence is wider than it's ever been. Comet Ping Pong and Pizza is our furthest northern spot. All-purpose Capital Riverfront is our furthest to the south. But hopefully we're going to continue to expand and include lots more businesses. And really, you know, so again, our first year doing the War of the Rosés was in 2018. We did it again in 2019 and grew it a little bit. And then in 2020, there was this global pandemic thing. So <laughs> we kept it. Uh, it was just us and Lejam, and it was not a competition. We called it a united front, and we wanted to just continue it for the sake of continuing it. We kind of did it last year at Bowtie, but this is really like a rebirth year for us. And the four of us who originally started it are all focused on growing it, making it a fun thing, and just setting up the stage for this to continue to be an annual thing here in D.C. We kind of want it to be like a thing, for lack of a better word. Yeah. So with this bigger footprint and it becoming a solidified thing, what is your fundraising goal for this year? Our biggest year, we have raised about $8,000. So my goal this year is really to double that. I think it's doable because our roster of restaurants is now 21 up from 12 in the past. And we've gotten some really big heavy hitters. Like I know Centralina and City Center has lunch and dinner traffic every day of the week. And they have 
an incredible rosé list, uh, one of which I had the pleasure of sampling last week, which was a Dolce & Gabbana collaboration <laughs> rosé. So just the, the price point alone that we're dealing with when you talk about 10% is a lot greater than it ever has been. So I think that a goal of hitting fifteen dollars to $16,000 is within our sights this year, which would be incredible. Yeah, and I think a local organization would really feel the impact of that amount for sure. A thousand percent. Yeah, I agree. The way we've structured it benefits every participating charity, but also there is certainly one that is going to get a pretty big windfall getting 5% of rosé sales from everybody. So I'm definitely rooting for the local ones <laughs> to, to be the, uh, the beneficiary of that. Amazing. Well, um, is there anything else that you want to share about the competition or what you're doing? So you can follow us along at DC War of the Rosés. That's our Twitter handle. That's our Instagram handle. We're most active on Instagram. We also have a website, dcwaroftherosés.com. And that's where you can find a list of all participants, the charities that they are supporting, as well as any events that we're having. We'll definitely be posting the winner and details about the winner's charity happy hour in August as soon as we have identified that. I just encourage folks to explore the awesome participants who are signed up this year to be on the lookout for next year's competition, which will be going strong again soon. We'll start planning soon as well. Well, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing all of this with us and good luck with the war. Thank you so much, Bridget, for having me. And now for some quick news. Priyanka, what's happening around town? Well, first, a little sports ball update. NHL free agency is here. The Washington Caps were big players and signed goalie Darcy Kemper. The Caps are looking to improve their goaltending situation after trading Vitek Vanacek and not giving a qualifying offer to Ilya Samsonov. And also, on Tuesday night, Fairfax City decided to overhaul all of the street names in Mosby neighborhood because of their connection to the Confederacy. Antonio Olivo has been covering this story for the Washington Post and reported on the council meeting where the decision was made. Many people who live in that particular neighborhood just simply recognize their street names as their street names and don't really associate it with the Confederacy more than they connect it to their own memories. So that's been the controversy. After basically two years of public discussion, community meetings, and so forth, the city council voted to change all of those street names. Residents on some specific streets, such as Ranger Road and Traveler Street, argued that the names really couldn't be directly connected to the Confederacy, and therefore why put them through the hassle of having to change their addresses and their licenses. So along with the names being changed, the city council was essentially discussing how to compensate people for whatever costs that are incurred in changing the street names. This discussion in general is really about the identity of Virginia. Some people believe that Virginia is part of this long, complicated history that stems from the Civil War. And why not just embrace it and embrace the changes that have occurred around those monuments? And others are just outright offended by the monuments. So it's a really interesting moment in Virginia's history. Thanks for the update, Antonio. That's all for today here on CityCast DC. Our lead producer is Priyanka Tilve. Our producer is Julia Karen. Our newsletter writer is Kayla Coates-Stemmerman. And our hosts are Michael Schaefer and me, Bridget Todd. Music is by Alex Roldan. Like the show? Tell your friends and family to subscribe. That goes for our morning newsletter, too. 
We'll be back Tuesday with more stories for you. Talk to you then. 